0: Good morning guys, it's good to see you, Yes, as always. Hey, if you're a guest with us, welcome, thank you for being here, we're happy you're here. My name is Brandon, and I am one of the pastors here, and we are continuing in our series that I have at least loved so far, Becoming Like Jesus, we're going to be in James chapter five today, so for five weeks now, we've been learning that God's goal for his people is to rescue us and then to make us like Jesus. God wants to restore in his people the Christ-likeness that we were originally intended to experience. I hope you guys all have that so far because I've said it basically every week in one form or another. And we've looked at a lot of different facets of this transformation that God wants to do as he conforms us into the image of Christ. And today we're going to see a really special Aspect of sanctification A beautiful biblical truth That sanctification is a team effort There is teamwork In becoming like Jesus So earlier in the week I made an outline To begin putting this message together And the first thing I wrote At the top of that document Was Joseph So last Sunday night <laughs> So last Sunday night The people in my Sunday school class already know where this is going. So last Sunday night, the class that my wife and I are a part of hung out for the evening. And one of the things that we did was we played cornhole together. And I was extremely blessed to end up on Joseph Schumann's team. Am I saying that right, Schumann? Goodness. It was amazing. After two games, I started making jokes that at some point I would use that cornhole competition as an illustration of the gospel, because Joseph absolutely carried me to victory. Like I'm genuinely not sure that I contributed a point in the first two games. When we stopped to eat dinner, he and I were undefeated. He and I were undefeated. (laughs) And I had mostly just given away the points a little slower than he could accumulate them. He did all that we were, he did all the work for our wins, and that's what I thought would be the case for the entire night. But then a strange thing happened. After dinner, I started throwing the beanbags on the actual board. <laughs> and then, in the actual hole, it started happening. And our next to the last game, I needed to hold it for the win, and I did. <laughs> I lost it. I, it, it is in. Im- It is accurate and a little unfortunate for me to admit that that was probably the athletic highlight of my post 30 life. (laughs) So, what I thought here, watch. So, what I thought was going to be an illustration, a cornhole illustration of salvation, actually became a cornhole illustration of sanctification because (laughs) though Joseph absolutely carried me to victory for many games. You can't really be the Jesus of cornhole unless you're going to four bag it every time anyway, right? And by the end, I was also helping him, which I've, I've never helped Jesus. So Joseph was the MVP, without a doubt, of the Wax Sunday School Class Cornhole Championship. It was like artificial intelligence at times. But even he couldn't do it alone. He carried me for much of the day, and then I helped him. And by the end of the night, we were undefeated. Undefeated. Like we actually did a jumping chest bump, which I had never done before, and it was pretty easy. And now I'm going to announce my retirement from cornhole. <laughs> I'm going out on top. Here's the point. Here's the point. It was a team effort. So is sanctification. Becoming like Jesus is a team effort. You can't do it alone. Sometimes in our weakness, we need somebody else to help us toss it closer. Sometimes we are straying and we need somebody else to pull us towards victory. That is what we get to be for one another in the body of Christ. That's what we're going to see so beautifully in our passage today. There is teamwork. In becoming like Jesus, we get to be that team together. So let's begin reading in James 5. The first thing we're gonna discuss today is that the church is a team that prays for one another. We get to be a church that powerfully and effectively prays for one another. Begin reading with me in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of the faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. human being as righteous person is very powerful in its effect, Elijah was a human being as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again, that the, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. Sanctification is a team effort. There's a couple things for us to note first. One is to remember who James is writing to. This is James 1, verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes dispersed abroad, greetings. So this letter, we're in the 5th chapter, epistle, James is writing to God's people. In fact, we just read the word church in verse 14, didn't we? Call for the elders of the... Three of you crushed it. This is the famous word for church. This is ecclesia. And interestingly, this use of the word church might have actually predated the word church in the book of Acts, which is where we actually see the birth of the church. But James is writing to the people of God, and it works today in Murfreesboro. We are James' audience. We are ecclesia, a gathering of called out ones in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and we have suffering don't we verse 13 said anyone who is among you suffering he should pray and whatever suffering you're facing that you faced recently or that you might be facing right now or that you will soon face this verse applies to you because suffering here means calamity of every sort very broad suffering in calamities of every sort of uh, Every sort, we should pray, the Bible says. If anyone is cheerful, he should sing praises. That's really just another form of prayer, especially in this context. Worshipful, even musical prayer. If anyone is sick, he says, get to the church, go to the elders, be anointed with oil and prayed over. So before we continue any further, I just want to pull our hearts back to our sermon three weeks ago. Because even this text is an opportunity to obey the Lord of creation our good god who designed the universe for our flourishing in him who loves we know he loves us so much that he died for us and he's giving more good commands to us he is saying if you're suffering pray if you're cheerful praise when you are sick pray for healing together he's giving us specific beautiful ways to live together he says go to the elders for oil and prayer what let's talk for a moment about the oil so the oil here is maybe the only thing in the text that isn't supernatural. used for all kinds of things. It's olive oil. At that time, olive oil was used for all kinds of things, including for sickness. So the oil isn't the power. So, like, take the oil. I, I've, absolutely, I've prayed over people as an elder. I've anointed them with oil. But in our time, the oil is symbolic of the element Of this command that is supernatural, which is God working through the prayers of his people. That's where the power is. The church, then, is a place to receive prayer for sickness because God works through the prayers of his people. Prayers for sickness, prayers for suffering, prayers for calamity of all sorts. Because God works through the prayers of his people. Notice verse 16. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. That you might be healed. So in this culture, there was a really close connection between sin and sickness. Remember in, in John 9, the blind man came to Jesus and Jesus' own disciples asked him, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? Remember that? And Jesus' response in that moment was, actually, neither. This man was born blind so that God be, could be glorified in him. But the disciples weren't wrong for asking that question. Sometimes sickness is connected to sin. This passage is teaching that. Sometimes our suffering is a result of our waywardness. Sometimes our physical or our emotional brokenness is the result of our spiritual brokenness. And of course that's true. Because in a big picture sense, all suffering is itself a result of original sin. There would be no suffering if there was no sin. So James writes, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another because God has healing power. And still in verse 16, James writes, the the prayer of a righteous man is very powerful in its effect. Most of you have heard that verse before. What a verse. What What a privilege. What a power. We pray for one another, and the prayer of the righteous is powerful. So what does a righteous man mean? Super simple. A righteous person, and most of you could answer this if you thought about it for a moment. A righteous person is someone whose sins have been confessed and covered. That could be any of us through Jesus. It's kind of James' point. God, I confess my sins, and you are faithful and just to forgive my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And God, I intercede for my brother or my sister in faith, that you heal God, that you deliver, that you save. God works through such prayer. Sanctification is a team effort. In our suffering, in our sickness, we get to confess to one another, pray for one another, that God's power will heal. So before I moved to California and for years and years... Before I moved to California, I was an elder at a church in Spring Hill for years and years. And we regularly held elder prayer services where people who were suffering, who were sick, could come and receive prayer. I've seen people be healed, as have you, because God allows the prayer of a righteous person to be powerful in its effect. And in fact... Prayer is powerful even when that person doesn't feel powerful because God is the one who is powerful. I remember very vividly one Wednesday night at a prayer service, a couple from our church came forward to receive prayer over a serious chronic health issue. They walked up to me by the stage. I put my arms around them as one of their elders and I prayed for them. I've done that countless times. But I remember this one because as they walked away, I remember the beginning and the end of the story because they were both unique. I thought as they walked away, man, that was not a very good prayer. I don't often think that you pray, but for some reason I thought that one was especially not great. I remember thinking that wasn't my best work, and I can't imagine that will do anything. In that moment, I had very little faith in me, but all three of us had faith in God because we knew he could heal. My friend, Pastor Jed Coppinger, he's an expert on prayer, and he likes to say God can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. We pray for one another knowing God can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime, but God doesn't always heal. We know this, but we know that he is always making us like Jesus, And just like we studied in week one, he's conforming us into the image of Christ. And sometimes he does that through healing. Sometimes he does that through withholding healing. But in this instance, a couple weeks later, that couple came to me in tears and said that the doctor was calling it a miracle. The sickness is gone, they said. They thanked me for praying with them. And I was, I've, I've been a part of the Lord healing before but never when I was certain I had done a bad job. So humbling, because I felt like that prayer was wimpy, but Jesus said in his strength, be healed. Because when we partner together in prayer, as a team, it's not we who bring the power, it's Jesus who brings the power. Remember from verse 14 in this passage, we are praying in the name of the Lord. It's in the power of the Lord. So in a beautiful way, when... In a beautiful way, when we pray together, we are praying in the righteousness that we've received from Jesus for the power that we receive from Jesus. Sanctification is a team effort. And then James gives us that we've read this awesome illustration of this power from the Old Testament. Let me read it to you again. Verse 17, Elijah was a human being as we are. He really wants us to get this. Elijah is a human being, and then he reminds you, just in case you're a human being, a human being as you are, prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain. How inc- That's pretty encouraging. God does not work through superhumans. God works supernaturally through regular humans as we are. Elijah prayed for the rain to stop and the rain stopped because God can stop the rain. Brandon prayed a weak prayer for the sickness to stop and the sickness stopped because God can make sickness stop. We can pray for calamity to stop suffering to cease and it can because god has the power to make it so so in a very amazing a very foundational sense the church is a prayer team welcome to the prayer team we confess our sins heals, and delivers because he is powerful and he is good so here's some questions for you when's the last time that you prayed with a brother or sister about suffering or sickness in your life or theirs? When's the last time? Sanctification is a team effort. Don't do it alone. When's the last time you prayed for your brother or sister about your sin or their sin? We don't grow in Christ by ourselves. In fact, the opposite happens. When's the last time you went to an elder and asked him to intercede with you in faith for God to move? We don't have to pray alone. We don't have to suffer alone. Sanctification is a team effort. So the church is a team that prays for one another. It's so beautiful. The second thing I'm even more excited about to share with you that we see today is the church is a team that protects one another. What a concept. We get to protect one another. Let's continue reading in verse 19, the next verse, James 5. My brothers and sisters, person know that whoever turns the sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Hey, maybe that looks uncomfortable for you at first pass. It's beautiful. Especially when we remember, from two weeks ago I think it is, that God's trying to give us our everything was very... in our suffering, in our sickness, in our... Not only do we get to pray for one another in our suffering, in our sickness, in our sin, but we get to fight for one another. Jesus is ultimately, the, the, he's the one who rescues us from our sins. But then he gives us the privilege of pursuing one another and turning one another, the passage says, when we stray from the truth. So straying from the truth can mean straying from the truth doctrinally with what you believe, of course. But primarily, this means straying from the truth in how we live. James James doesn't say we turn bad theologians. We all know this. Sin leads to death. We've all seen and felt this. And that's something we should turn one another back from. That's something we should fight against together. Um, Tom Rainer, who is an expert on church ministry, wrote an article. This is several years ago now sharing some of the more ridiculous things that churches, real churches have fought about. The appropriate length of the worship pastor's beard. That's real. A church had publicly disunity, public disunity over worship pastor beard length. Or we can fight over the type of filing cabinet to purchase. A real church fought over the color of the cabinet and the number of drawers And the people that didn't get the filing cabinet they thought was wisest left the church. Or we can fight over which picture of Jesus to put in the lobby. These are all real things that have happened. Lord forgive us. Churches have split over which fake picture of the rescuer of the world to hang on the wall. We could fight over who has access to the copy machine. People have left their church family because they weren't given access to the copier machine. I don't know if we have a copy machine. I know if we have it, I don't have access. And you know what? It's going to be fun. It's going to be fine. We do. You don't. Which we exactly. I submit, Bro, guys. James, there's, there is so much wasted, wasted fighting, in God's people. James here is describing a church that doesn't fight against one another but fights for one another. James is describing a people who fight sin and push against the brokenness in this world for each other's joy in Jesus. Can we be a church that fights for one another's joy in Jesus, can we be a church that protects each other? Brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways saves a soul from death and covers a multitude of sins. That is not describing a contentious church. That is a redemptive church. Commentator James Adamson wrote of these verses, the church is a redemptive brotherhood. Through its efforts, the wandering brother can be restored. So here's the painful but beautiful reality. There's going to come a time when our friends in these gray chairs, our brothers and sisters, stray in some way. It's happening right now in some way. It is. We, we still have an old nature We're still at war with our flesh. Like cornhole on Sunday night. At first it might be me. Tomorrow it might be you. But we will experience in Jesus. And this passage tells us what to do. When our brother or sisters confess the sin that leads us away from joy. The text says we engage. We pray for healing. We turn back to the truth. Sanctification is a team effort. That means that when sin is confessed in this body, we don't start running. We don't stick our brother or sister off to the side and go about what we were doing. Back to the songs. No, we start praying. We start fighting for their victory. We don't walk away from sinners. We walk alongside them into the forgiveness of Jesus. And we know as we go that someday we'll need them to walk us back. Every time, and I've got stories of it, but every time I walk somebody through something, I think they may come back from me. I've had it happen. Guys, I disciple, end up discipling me. S- guys, let me tie this into our lesson for today, Sunday school. Sin. Is so powerful that God Himself had to die for it to free us from it. Barnabas's no Barabbas' sin. Sorry, wrong B guy. Herod's sin. Pilate's sin. The Jews' sin. My sin. Your sin. The cross conquered that sin. When our brother and sister confesses, we throw our arms around them and we fight our way back to the truth. We remind one another again and again of the gospel of the good news. This is the way of life. Walk in it. You know it. Walk in it. So we should always respond to confession With a grace filled urgency. But sometimes there is, sometimes it's a step further. We see in the text, everybody prepare yourself. Listen, I'm I'm gonna ease us into this as best I can. There is a need for proactive accountability. Sometimes we have to look at each other and say lovingly, You might be straying from the truth. In that verse 17 portion, There's no clear confession. There's a turning. Sometimes we need to lean in and try to, as the text says, turn each other's hearts back towards life and joy. Now, pay really close attention to what I'm about to say. This is so important. You have to be in proximity. You have to have the right relationship for proactive accountability to work. And what I mean by that is, you don't need half of the church coming up to you tomorrow, tomorrow to tell you all the ways they think you might be sinning. Because Brandon said, I should care about your joy. Please don't think today that you know a stranger's sin. No, how this works is we have to get in close. Room this size, you're not going to see an ever- we have to be able to see one another's lives. You're not going to, even in a room this size, you're not going to see into everybody's life. But somebody's, and somebody needs to be able to see into yours. That starts by knowing one another. Last Sunday night, following the destruction, and I mean just the absolute devastation that Joseph and I brought down in the Cornhole <laughs> gathering. <laughs> my Joseph, Joseph brought it up. Then we all sat around and shared stories about how various couples in the class had met, and got married but it really turned into more of a time of stories about suffering and about blessing and about the goodness of God it was wonderful for me because becoming like Jesus is a team effort I didn't just play cornhole Sunday night I heard about God answering Lauren's prayer after 15 years and my faith was increased because of God's faithfulness to her We got to hear how God carried Shannon Through unimaginable suffering Now God's people cared for him Including one of God's people becoming his wife It was such a sweet night But I'm new to this team There were people in that circle That were filling in gaps in other people's stories Hey, you forgot to say my favorite part That's people who know one another, who love one another, who have walked together for years. Those are the relationships we need because those are the people who are best positioned to turn us toward Jesus. Those are the relationships you have to have because somebody has to fight for you. If you can't name who will fight for you right now, you need to go find it. You probably can't tell what I'm holding right now. Suppose, I'll just ask you the question, am I holding a green apple or a grenade? Suppose I thought it was a green apple, but it was a grenade, right? It is an apple, by the way. But that's only because Amazon didn't get my toy grenade to me in time. (laughs) But if you were close enough to me, you would be able to see enough of this to wonder, is that really a green apple? Let's say Joseph and I, we build on our cornhole bond, and we become really close brothers in Christ. And he can be a brother. He can love me. Say, Brandon, I'm not sure that's a green apple. That might be a grenade. So seriously answer this question. If you weren't 100% sure that your friend didn't have a grenade, that they, Brandon, don't you think you would say something? Hey, Brandon, Mary, Ken, that might not be what you think it is. That might be a grenade. And if it's a grenade, that's going to blow your life up. Can we look at that together? Can we figure this out together? Because church, we are weak. If anyone can confuse a grenade for a green apple, it's me. (laughs) If anyone can confuse death with life, it's you. I thought this was life. Thank God. Joseph, the AI cornhole tosser, told me it was death. We need people to get in close. And we need to give people permission to turn our hearts to Jesus. Jesus wants us to fight for each other to experience the joy that he died for us to know. My wife has two friends. on She talks to them every day on video. Basically every day. For years and years. They know everything about each other's life. She tells me that it's almost effortless for them to sort of nudge on where she might have something wrong. They love her to death. They don't want a grenade to go off in her life right through his per- Jesus through his perfect life and his sacrificial death, he gives us his righteousness. He gives us his power. And he gives us brothers and sisters as stewards of that gospel. When that happens, that you are so loved that Jesus died for you. He's already forgiven that sin. You already have the power from the cross to be free from that sin that will destroy life, heart, joy. Jesus has given us one another as shepherds so that sometimes we say to one another, Sister, there's only pain there. Brother, there is no life down that road. Let me help you turn. Let me help you remember the joy you were made to know in Jesus. You know, the Internet knows everything that we're doing all the time. Just this morning, it knew what my sermon was about because it's attached to my life. So I was scrolling through Instagram very early, and I saw this quote from Alistair Begg. You will never, just on my feed, it's like the third thing. You will never have a better friend than the friend that points you to Christ. Thank you, Instagram. Sanctification is a team effort. There is teamwork in the kingdom of heaven. The church is a team that prays for one another. The church is a team that gets to protect one another. And I want to invite you to do two things today as we close. First, if you are suffering right now, if you have sickness right now, God says, go to the elders of the church and let them pray for you. You can do that right now there's power in it. We only have two elders, but they're both up front every Sunday. Any day can be the day you receive elder prayer. Would you let them? The second thing I want you to invite you to is to join this team. Become a member of this body. Sanctification is a team effort. Do you have a team? Do you have a team? doesn't have to be this team, but you need a team. I'm g- I, my family is joining today, so I have my membership covenant. This church promises to its members to practice unity, to give you opportunities to serve, to seek fellowship with you, to be a blessing with your children, to your children, family, and friends. This church covenants to pray for you to practice church discipline. Thank God to defend the faith, to ask you to contribute and serve as someone who would be a member. I will, if, should I get, accept, well, you guys kind of have to accept me into membership, actually. <laughs> I think <laughs> I don't know about the bylaws work. That would be very awkward. Um, <laughs> but I will covet it, should I be received. To be a unifying member of the church. To be a functioning member of the church. To seek fellowship with my brothers and sisters. To strive to bring up my children under the, under the care. Not to neglect to pray for our church. To by his grace live in a manner striving for holiness in the world. Submit myself to the discipline of this church. Uphold and defend the doctrines of the faith, Contribute cheerfully and regularly. Serve my brothers and sisters. Sanctification is a team effort. And if you don't have a team that you can find a team with a more ideal restroom situation. (laughs) I don't know if you can find a team with a more ideal pull your hearts towards joy in Jesus situation. And I invite you to that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the life that it brings. God, all morning I feel like we've been thanking you for your extravagant, extravagant love. It was your will that Jesus Christ should should suffer for us once and for all. And we say thank you that in the meantime, that it it, it, it did purchase for us ultimate freedom from suffering, but we ask for more freedom of suffering in the meantime, that it did buy us final deliverance, but we ask for more daily deliverance between now and then. And God, I pray that we would pursue that together as a body as a team united under you, God, I pray that you would make us a people who pray for one another, that you would make us righteous people whose prayers are very effective. I pray that you'd make us a people that share with one another, that turn one another, that pour one another towards joy in Jesus. Would you work in our hearts right now in the name of Christ.